How's it going, you right? I am tired and crab it, but nothing changes here. How's your song? I'm just tired and crab it, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, Derek, it is tis the season two feet to All oh, right, start that again. <laughs> <laughs> it's the season two feet. <laughs> oh, right. man. That'll be a good night then. No, oh, hopefully. Just we'll see how it goes. Just <laughs> these days I can't be fucked doing anything. <laughs> See what I mean? Tired and gravity. <laughs> and the stadium erupts in red, white, and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go. Hi everyone and welcome to the next episode of the I Ready podcast. As ever, I'm your host Derek and with me is my co-host Dave. How are you doing Dave? Well, hi Derek. Well, it is the season to be cheerful, apparently, but uh, not for us at the moment, judging by the last two games that we're going to be covering in a wee while. Dave, I'm tired and I'm crabbit. I don't want mm. to do this, but we soldier on, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice upbeat start. That's what we love. Yes, I mean, I've got the cold, I'm still suffering a wee bit, so we'll get through it anyway, but yes, yes, it's four games to cover, two decent games, one of them was really good actually, from what I can remember, the last two games have been pretty dire, uh, it's all put us in a downer, obviously, we thought things were starting to turn a corner, but no, typical Rangers, they bring us back down. Yep. Just when we thought they were up, we'd bring them back down. That's that. Frustration, frustration, frustration. That's certainly how I would describe the last two games, Derek. Yes, but we'll get into that anyway. We will go down the tunnel and onto the park. So the first game we've got to cover was Thursday the 9th of November. It was a 2-1 win at home against Sparta Prague in the Europa League Group C Game 4. From what I remember, Dave, fantastic. Yep, especially in the first half. Absolutely fantastic in the first half. We certainly started off in the front foot and, uh, you know, we were really going for it. The crowd was uh, was well up for it as well. We knew we had a tough task and as you're about to get into it, it was, uh, it was very, very impressive. Yes, so one change from the previous Hearts game where we played them in the League Cup, that was enforced due to Balogun not being registered in Europe, so it was Balogun out, Davis in, so yep. we lined up with Butland, Tavernier, Goldson, Davis, Barisic, Lundstrom, Jack, Lammers, Seymour, Cantwell and Danilo, on the subs bench we had McCrory, Kay Wright, Dessers, Lawrence, Fuentes, Sterling, Roof, King, Devine and McCausland. So the first half, an outstanding performance in the first half, haven't given Sparta a sniff at all, Clement said from the get-go, if we try shit, you'll lose the ball, that's fine, but just win it back. And that's exactly what we've done so far in the first half. In yep. possession, we've been great. Out of possession, we were even better. Yeah, well, we certainly were. On the sixth minute, it was a lovely ball from Lammers to Cantwell on the right side of the box. He puts a cross in, maybe hit with too much power. Danilo couldn't stretch his leg out in time. If he connected, it was in. However, we didn't need to wait long because we scored the first goal on the 11th minute with Danilo scoring. The defender was coming out of the box after being rolled the ball by the keeper. He decided to turn back for some weird reason, didn't realise Danilo was lurking, who robbed him of the ball, took it back into the box and coolly slotted it past the keeper. Great awareness, just absolute bizarre from the, 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 yeah. the defender there. 
No, it was, but he seized the moment, Derek. He, he saw there was a sniff there, he managed to get in, and it was a nice sort of cool finish by him. So, absolutely delighted. Yes. 16th minute, the ball down the left that was crossed in, that their defender flicked it away, but only to the edge of the box to Cantwell, who had a poor first touch, and he flicked the ball in the air, but his second touch was a half bicycle kick volley and forced a decent save from the keeper. Yeah. He didn't need to wait long to get his goal because on the 20th minute we went 2-0 up with Cantwell scoring. It was a long ball from our defence to the left. The defender sticks a leg out and he doesn't control it. Danilo picks it up. He passes to the right to Cantwell in the box who collects it, switches feet to the inside and curls a low shot in at the bottom left corner. A brilliant goal, great incisive play. And the best of it was the defender who fucked up for the first goal, he fucked up for the second goal as well, but he was the defender that stuck his leg out and he doesn't control it. So he was having a mare at that point. It was. It was great. You you could see actually uh, Danilo, because as you say, it was him that sort of picked him out, but you could see how confident Danilo looked up front at that stage. And uh, we knew that Cantwell was in the mood as well, and that was just a phenomenal goal for him. Absolutely fantastic. And we really were in the driving seat at that point. Couldn't argue whatsoever. 25th minute, lovely through ball into the middle of the Sparta box. Their keeper just got it before Danilo nipped him, so unlucky that one there. 28th minute, Sima down the left, he crosses in. A shocking attempted clearance by the defender who basically passes it to Danilo, who controls it and shoots and hits the outside of the left post and wide. Really unlucky that one there. Yep, really should have been number three. Yep. 38th minute, a free kick by Tavernier just wide of the post. And the last piece of play in, in the first half, in the 40th minute, ball upfield by us. Gomez slips in midfield. Cantwell picks it up and runs. He got into the box and shoots and a save by the keeper's legs. It was Gomez who was at fault for the first and second goal, ultimately. He nearly cost him a third one, and I think he got hooked at halftime as well. Yeah, he, did, yeah. he, he was having an absolute shocker of a performance. But absolutely delighted going into the second half. You know, 2 0 up at home in Europe. Can't ask for much more. Derek, probably, would you say the best performance or certainly best half under Philip Clement so far? It was just constant pressure by us, really snapping at their heels exactly what we were looking for. Everyone was playing well, confidence was high and a tremendous uh, scoreline to be going in at half time. Yes. So into the second half, 61st minute, a slack attempted long ball by Tavernier, which was charged down. Sparta won possession, they got forward out wide left, crossed into the middle and a header wide. 69th minute, Cantwell off and McCausland on. On the 70th minute, Lammers was fouled on the edge of the box. The referee played the advantage, however, it wasn't really much of an advantage because even though he managed to pass the ball twice into the box, it was everyone was off balance because they thought there was going to be a foul given. So that was that was poor from the referee there. 71st yeah. minute, corner from the right from Sparta. It was knocked away to the edge of the box to the Sparta player who hit it on the volley, hit off the ground and bounced wide there. 72nd minute, quick break for, and a lovely ball from McCausland to Danilo. Took one touch too many and the defender managed to smuggle the ball away. He could have shot, he could have squared it. He was maybe caught in two minds with that one there. 75th minute, Lammers plays a lovely through ball on the right to McCausland who shoots and a big save from the keeper which was then spilled, worked to the left side of the box, then to the centre to Jack who has a curling effort saved by the keeper and then held. 76 minute, McCausland on the right, drifted inwards, held onto the ball, then played a great pass to Seymour on the left, who tried to first-timer. It was off balance, uh, but he sliced it wide. And then, on the 77th minute, Sparta managed to pull a goal back to make it 2-1. It was down the left, they cut inside, a pass to the middle, a pass wide, cuts back in, and a first-timer into the net from six yards. Barisic was absolutely woeful in his positioning. 
caught in two minds, I think, whether he stick or twist about going to the player that passed it or going to the player who actually had the ball. Just caught in no man's land, a poor goal to lose. It was, yeah, especially at that time because that, you know, there was still plenty of time in the game. Consider how how in control we had been in the match to lose such a sloppy goal like that's really disappointing. Yeah, just just poor, in complete control of the game and lose a goal like that. Yeah. Puts us on the back foot. 78th minute, we thought we had restored the two-goal lead because we did actually put the ball in the back of the net, but it was ruled off by VAR. Basically, from kickoff, we played it back, a long ball high into the box to Danilo. The defender seems to trip over Danilo's legs. Danilo takes the ball and shoots it past the keeper. There was a VAR check. They went to the screen and they ruled the goal out. For me, I think that was pretty harsh because the player ultimately kicked Danilo's legs, not the other way about. Yeah, again, like you, quite baffled by the decision and we were sitting watching what the referee was watching again and, you know, to me there was very little wrong with that. If anything, it was the the defender's error that that put himself in that position and, you know, we were really unlucky not to be 3-1 at that stage. Yeah, 85th minute, Seaman Danilo off, Lawrence and Dessers on 86th minute, Goldson gives the ball away in our half A quick break down the left Sparta player turns in and out and has a shot at an angle And a big save from Butland, really living yeah. dangerously towards the end of the game here Yeah, definitely And then the referee gave 6 minutes injury time From absolutely where, I do not know <laughs> There was a couple of substitutions, but they don't normally take into account substitutions these days. We were certainly at that point, time wasting going on. We were doing a lot of gamesmanship there. That's part and parcel of the game when you come into it there. He got pissed off the referee at Tavernier, I think. He gave Tavernier a yellow card for just holding up the ball in a throw-in. And I think the referee was getting pissed off at us for that one there. That's still no excuse. 91st minute, the ball was on the left. It was played in. Deflection falls to Dessers in the middle, who holds it up, passes to McCausland, who tries a play shot, but it was in over the bar. From there, our fans behind the goal held onto the ball. The referee adds another minute of injury time. Crazy. The game starts and our fans throw the ball back on. The referee then adds another minute of injury time. And he's just added two minutes of injury time here, and I think it was only a minute and a half into injury time. Yeah. So how how can he do that? It's not caused two minutes worth of, of stoppages there. I do think, though, that the fans should have, after the first time he added the minute on, they should have been wise to that. You've got a referee who's playing funny buggers with us here. It was brain dead from them. Not entirely their fault. The referee was making it up as he went along there. But some of the times the fans are their own worst enemy. As you say, it was a bit foolish, you know, the f- the first time do it, but knowing how he was being and, you know, the fact he could have added on, it really could have cost us, let's be perfectly honest with you. So we've said that for a few times, ain't we? Some folk are need to just sort of have a wee think about their actions before these things happen. But as you say, for them to add an extra minute on and then an extra minute on again, I don't know what law it is. Maybe we're both wrong, Derek, and there is something in, in, in the rules for stuff like that, but I've never seen anything like that before. I think it's more the case of the fact that it was only a minute and a half into injury time and he'd already added an extra two minutes on, so yeah. the, the stoppages never actually accounted for two minutes. So, anyway, uh, 95th minute, Lammers off and Cifuentes on, and the full time whistle eventually rang after nine minutes. So, yeah. not only seven minutes, it was nine minutes he yeah. gave, which is ridiculous. But it was a great result in the end. A fantastic. Fantastic yep. performance overall. We were a wee bit, living a wee bit dangerously towards the end there, but it was great nonetheless. Delighted with that. 
Yep, another big European night at Ibrox, Derek, and you know, they, they really certainly for about the first hour, say 65 minutes of the match, we were well on top and you know, really deserving of our lead. And then, you know, that we that slack goal, slack defending lit Sparta Prague back into it, and we were living dangerously at the end, but managed to see it out and you know, absolutely tremendous that they that they got the, the result there. Yes. So the next game, Sunday the 12th of November, it was a 2-0 win away against Livingston in the Premiership. Dave, take it away. Yep, the starting lineup for this game, Butland and goals, Tavernier, Goldson, Balogun, Barisic, Jack, Lundstrom, Lawrence, McCausland, Sima and Dessers leading the line this time. So uh, Balogun recalled first starts for Lawrence and McCausland, who was you know very impressive when he came on as a substitute against Sparta. On the subs bench, McCrory, Rudvan, Cantwell, Lammers, Sifuentes, Sterling, Roof, Davies and Danilo. So quite a strong bench there as well. And for the first 10 minutes, it was all Rangers with a possession. Lawrence looking to try and sort of get beyond the striker, give us a sort of wee extra outlet. And then the first real chance for Dessers on the 12th minute, he, the ball was put down the left wing into the box of a low shot, which was saved by the legs of the goalkeeper and then cleared. And then on the 15th minute, we actually thought that we had taken the lead because it was a free kick into the box. Dessers goes for the ball. The keeper drops the ball. It falls for Balogun at the back post who heads it back into the centre of the goal. And there's Goldson on the line to tap it in. But it went to VAR and after review, Dessers and the initial ball in looked to be just offside. So the goal was disallowed and it was still nil-nil at that point. What did you think of that one, Derek? He's the new Morelis, can't read the offside line, can he? He's, uh, he's certainly getting in the uh, offside more often you know, than we, they really want him to. And you'd think an experienced or supposedly experienced striker like him wouldn't be getting caught so much. I don't know if that's still, you know, because he's not fully fit or whatever. I honestly don't know, but uh, pretty poor. But then on the uh, 19th minute, a break by Rangers to Ross McCausland. He runs turns his man twice, shoots with just over the bar. Great play there. And then on the 22nd minute, the three words you love to hear, penalty to Rangers. And it was McCausland into the box. He gets to the byline. The keeper's outstretched. There's a slight touch. McCausland goes down. The goalkeeper gives the penalty. Derek, there was contact there. He maybe did go down a wee bit easily there. But, you know, I'm really not caring. It was. There was certainly contact there enough for the referee to award the penalty. And James Tavenier steps up to what we thought was going to be 1-0, but he blasts it just off the post and out. And it's still 0-0. So we've had a disallowed goal and a missed penalty as well. What was your feelings on the penalty, Derek? It wasn't a penalty, Dave. Oh. I, I just Yes, there was slight contact, but not for him to go down like that, I don't think. Okay, well, we'll... Uh, well, I agree to disagree there. I think uh, I think if you look at all these other teams, especially in Europe, the amount of stuff that goes on there, I think there's certainly more contact than you see a lot there. But regardless, it was still nil-nil at that stage. That was on the 23rd minute, but we only had to wait three minutes for Rangers to eventually break the deadlock. And uh, we've got the ball back in our defence. The ball is played to Lawrence, who plays a phenomenal through ball just at the halfway line. Two Dessers who keeps running into the box. He runs 
he shoots, he's with a defender the whole way, he takes a shot, it's not a powerful one, takes a slight deflection, but that slight deflection is just enough for the ball to bobble past the goalkeeper and roll into the back of the net. Not a classic goal, Derek, but he did go for the shot, it was a great move, and 1-0 up as well. Take it, whichever way they come. <laughs> 32nd minute, Barisic, he finds space on the left from a, a Lawrence pass, and he puts a low cross trying to find Lawrence again in the six-yard box. It's well defended by the living defender and it is a way to safety. 35th minute, Rangers on the break again. Tav with through ball to Dessers who collects it and shoots just past the post. But again, offside by in any case, just like we said. And just before half-time, the ball into the box. Summer outstretches his leg. He holds up the ball, then it falls for McCausland who thunders it into the net, but again, the referee disallows it for the initial challenge by Simmer, which was very, very harsh, because Simmer was being pulled the whole time. Still 1-0 Rangers. I didn't think that that was uh, uh, worth chopping the goal off at that point. Derek, did you? No, that that was an absolute farcical decision. Yep. It was Simmer that was actually getting fouled, so I don't know where the referee was coming from that. I don't even think it went to VAR either to, to, to clarify no. it, so... Just absolutely ridiculous from the referee there. And a fantastic finish as well by McCausland. Yeah. Really unlucky there. Three minutes of injury time. And in that injury time, the first half, great one-touch play by Lawrence to Tav to Dessers. Inside the box, he shoots. A great save by the Livy keeper and away uh, cleared upfield. And that was half time. So certainly uh, by far the, the better team. Really unlucky with a few decisions. And Derek thinks... You know, and a lot of people did as well. We were lucky with our decision, but you know, you go in one nil at half time. I'm pleased for Dessers, Derek. You, you know my feelings on the guy. I'm I'm not a great fan of his, but pleased that he that, that he got the goal because I'm just looking for one of these forwards to just get some sort of break that can maybe see them go, going on a wee run. So, uh, pleased for that. But in, into the second half, the first ten minutes, Livy just trying to get a spell of possession, but Rangers starting to put the pressure on again straight from kickoff. 60th minute, a substitution. Danilo comes on for Dessers. 64th minute, Barisic with a low cross to Lawrence at the edge of the box. He backheels it to Lundstrom. He shoots it over the bar. That was a great opportunity again. And, you know, Lundstrom more often than not hitting sort of shots, blasting them over the bar, which is, you know, getting into really good positions. But... It's, uh, I, I don't know what's wrong with uh, with Lundstrom he's shooting because as, when we first came into Rangers he scored quite a few goals but not to be anymore for some reason 70th minute, not a great second half quite stop start after that 73rd minute ball into the box by Barisic, Livy defender goes up with Goldson, his arm in the air and the ball strikes his forearm, VAR check and Again, three words we all love to hear, penalty to Rangers. And it was a clear one this time, Derek, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, that was as clear as day. Yep. And Tav steps up and blasts the ball into the back of the net to make it 2-0 to Rangers to, you know, maybe ease the nerves. Although Livy had done nothing against us there, it's always best to get the second goal. 77-minute substitutions for Cosland and Lawrence off, Lammers and Cantwell on. The 89th minute, a sort of half chance snapshot from Danilo at the edge of the box over the bar. And then more substitutions. Jack and Simmer off, Rudvan Sequentes on. 
and then there was nine additional minutes to to get played. I don't know where they came from either in the second half. Ninety uh, seventh minute, Lammers with a ball to Sifuentes on the right wing. He puts a low cross to Danilo. He's a great turn, shoots, and a fantastic save for the keeper out for the corner, and that is how the game ended. So good victory again, excellent first half. Almost all the attacking done by by Rangers. The second half a wee bit more laboured as Livy was trying to get something back in, into the game. And, you know, at that stage, a, a good away, you know, performance and victory deck to go into the international break. But I, I don't know what you think, but I just think that international break, if it hadn't have been when it was, we might have, you know, continued this wee run that we were on with, with these two games. So I think it came at the wrong time for us. I don't know, before it was saying it came at the right time for us. So yeah. it's... I, I, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll get into the next couple of games. But, yeah. I, I mean, two good games there. Maybe it wasn't fantastic against Livingston. It always can be a banana skin going there. But Livingston this season, they're, you know, looking maybe for the relegation yeah. zone. So yeah. uh, we'll see how it goes. But yep. i happy with the three points up the road. That's as much as you can hope for. Exactly. So the next game was the start of the poor ones. Sunday the 26th of November was a one-each draw away against Aberdeen in the Premiership. Now, bottom line is, Celtic had dropped points the day before, so we had a chance to claw another few points back. Glorious chance. Yep, glorious chance. Once again, the pressure's on the team, they fail. (sighs) New manager, same players. We'll, we'll, We'll get into it, but... We lined up Butland, Tavernier, Goldson, Balligan, Barisitz, Lundstrom, Sifuentes, Cantwell, Lawrence, Seema and Danilo. On the subs bench were McCrory, Ridvan, Souter, Dessers, Lammers, Matondo, Sterling, King and McCausland. Now I missed the first two minutes, my stream wasn't up at that point. However, I thought apparently Butland had a massive save to make. Yeah, it was a, fa- a fantastic save, Derek, as, as, as you say. And you know at that stage we were all saying to ourselves, here we go. Aberdeen yet again on the attack, raising their game, and it was it was a fantastic save. Yes. On the fourth minute, it was a quick break by Aberdeen after we were robbed of the ball in the Aberdeen half. A big save from Butland from a 1v1. So there's yep. two chances. Two chances. On target, straight away for Aberdeen. Yep. They only had one shot on target in the whole 90 minutes against Celtic where they got horsed 6-0. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- there was a big discussion before the game and in between this game where Aberdeen got a horse 6-0, then they came up against us, and the whole discussion about them raising their game. The stats say that they do. Now, yeah. Aberdeen fans saying it's because we are pish. Well, there is an element of that, absolutely. Celtic have been better than us for a number of years now. However, that doesn't account for the effort that Aberdeen put in. Aberdeen clearly put in a lot more effort and it's already within four minutes we've seen that. We need to treat every single game like it's a cup final because that's how other teams do it. That's up to us. But there's unquestionably, Aberdeen, throughout a number of years, going back into the 90s, they treat their fans shockingly because they only turn up four times a season. Maybe six games if we get them in the cups as well. But anyway, six minute, it was a flicked ball through the Aberdeen defence from Lawrence. Outsmarted everyone, including our own players, unfortunately, but it was good inventiveness. Seventh minute, nice build-up, getting the ball to Lawrence on the left side of the box. Cuts inside and has a curling effort and a big save from the Aberdeen keeper. However, Aberdeen go 1-0 up on the 11th minute. It was a long ball from the Aberdeen keeper. Header in midfield, the attacker speeds right through the two centre-backs unchallenged and a one-touch pass Butland. It was a great finish right in the corner there past Butland. 
but it was so simple, the build-up. There is no way that we should be getting beat from a hoof-up from the keeper, yep. one header, through the our defence, and one touch into the back of the net. It was shocking, Dave. You took the words right out of my mouth there because I was thinking that myself. It was as basic sort of attacking as you could get. The big punt right up the park, the flicked-on header, the, the, the striker who was much quicker than our two defenders, who were absolutely nowhere, let him just run right through the centre of them. He stayed onside. As you say, it was a great finish, but standard the defending from, first of all, from our midfield to stop the, the flick on, and then our two defenders not being able to get anywhere near the guy so he can run through. Really, really poor. And I thought, he, here we go. Because at this stage, Aberdeen were all over us, Derek. We, we, we'd had that sort of one... Chance uh, that that you said there was a a good move, which uh, which came back to to Lawrence with the the curled shot with the save. But apart from that, Aberdeen were right up up for this game. And you know, can we say deserve deserve the lead at that stage? Absolutely. I mean, we had two big warnings: the save in the first couple of minutes, and then the the big save from Butland in the fourth minute, where yep. the it was a big long ball up through the middle of the fence. That's how exactly how they scored. So we were given warnings, yeah. we just never heeded them. Really poor. On the 20th minute, that's when we started to take charge of the game and we were on top from there, but it was a bit of Aberdeen sitting back as well. We, we know what teams do. They try their heart out for the first 10-15 minutes, they get an early goal and then they just sit back and they park the bus. That's exactly what Aberdeen did. We started yeah. the upper game, but I think it was a lot down to the fact that Aberdeen were sitting back. They were playing with five in midfield as well, and we were just getting completely overrun in that first 20 minutes, and then they just sat back after that. 25th minute, nice worked move, ending in Cantwell with a cross, a cross goal from the right. It didn't find anyone though. 28th minute, Danilo with a poke shot from six yards, a good save by the feet of the keeper and the last piece of play I've got here in the first half 30th minute a corner from the right side not cleared out to the other side Seema with a great cross to the far post Balogun with a powerful header but it was right at the keeper it was a great save but there I think I sent to you on a text message Dave it's not going to be our day because if we were battering them at this point with big chances like that and we were still not scoring he just knew it was going to be one of those days. Yeah, and it was a massive chance. And, you know, any other day, I think Balogun, you know, the ball would have been bursting in it because he was close in it. It wasn't as if he was sort of far out when it came in, but unfortunately straight at the goalkeeper who was able to make the save. And the, and the header was that powerful. He had to, you know, make a fantastic save as well. It wasn't just a sort of straightforward, you know, the ball headed right at right at him so he could pick, pick it up so really really unlucky and it should have been 1-1 at that point yep so into the second half, no changes. Mastroom went down for about five minutes came back up in about the 52nd minute from there we were the better team but we were doing very little with it. Yeah. We had the man note of up until about the 70th minute. We had two free kicks in that set in the start of the yeah, second half. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Back to back within a couple of minutes each other. We'd taken an absolute age to set them up and then we hit the wall both times. I mean, it's just so poor. How? Yeah. I mean, Tavernier went through a wee spate of hitting fantastic free kicks and putting them in the back of the net. But the amount of free kicks he overrules anybody else wanting to take a free kick and the amount of times he hits the wall. You know, he can be so good, but he can be so pish sometimes as well. <laughs> 70th minute, Seema off and Matondo on. And that was maybe a wee bit of a catalyst because yeah. Matondo did do well when he came on. 
73rd minute, long free kick from the left, knocked to the right. Cantwell tries to knock it back in, falls to Lawrence on the half volley from 20 yards, and he hits it off the bar. If you needed any more proof that that wasn't it wasn't going to be our day, that was maybe it. I know it was. I don't think he was able to get as much power on it just for the way that it fell. But certainly the technique and the spin on the ball as well was incredible. And, you know, the goalkeeper, who is massive, Aberdeen's goalkeeper's huge, he totally struggled. He was nowhere near it. And, as I say, just a, 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 one, one or two inches lower. That was in the back, the back of the net. And like you, Derek, at that stage, I thought, you know, that's it. We're having all these chances. We can't score. We're not getting anything out of this. Well, it didn't stop there because in the 75th minute, it was a corner in from the right, an absolute bullet header by Balogun, and he smashes it off the bar from six yeah. yards. 78th minute, Cantwell and Lawrence off, Lammers and McCausland on. I mean, we're needing a goal, and Lammers comes on. I mean, we'll get into him after we've covered the games. But, but when you've got Dessers on the bench there, he's we've paid a few million for him, and he's an out-and-out striker. And we st- he still can't get a game when we're desperate for a goal. What does that say? And then the changing point of the game, the 90th minute, there was a corner came in. Lammers gets a shot, but it went over the bar. In the effort, Goldson goes down. Now, I don't think many people thought anything of it. However, before the game kicked off again, there was a long VAR check. And it's clearly shown that Goldson was clearly getting his jersey held. The ball was going to the area where Goldson was trying to run to. He did go down or maybe a wee bit easy, but he's entitled to do so when he was impeded like that. So, Julie, a penalty was given. It was a stonewaller when you look at it, Dave. And I can't believe there's people arguing about it. Well, as soon as, you know, at, at the time, I didn't notice it. And, you know, well done to VAR for picking up on it. Because when you see it back, it's a clear penalty. I mean, he's, he's, he's almost pulling the shirt right off him, he's going for it, and as I say, I think the referee had to make the decision of you know, is him pulling the shirt back, is that him going to stop, is, is Goldson going to get on, on the, the you know onto the ball as it comes in it did look as if it was you know, when we, we saw it back, I thought it was a penalty, but oh my god I mean, you would have thought that there was, you know, it was like the most incredible decision in the world that had been given for us with the amount of backlash hasn't it absolutely incredible yeah but we'll get into that shortly but up steps Tavernier on the 93rd minute right down the middle the keeper dives but he was never getting to it so good from Tavernier to score the goal it was one of these ones just our luck that day he thought he was going to miss it but he scored it made it 1-0 it made it 1-1 95th minute, Matondo down the left, a good cross in and a header by Lammers, but it was right at the keeper. People going mental with the fact that Lammers should have scored that. I think it was a wee bit more difficult than people are given credit for, and I think just because it was Lammers, I think people were going mental a wee bit more. But uh, it was just a disappointing performance, a disappointing result. Um, you know, we've taken a disaster and we've got a shit result out of it ultimately. Uh, it was really nearly turning into another result where you know Celtic could drop points, but they would still go points ahead of yeah. us. Yep. Um, but fortunately, it was honours even, and that's not even uh, taking a silver lining out of it. That's one of these things where we're trying to claw back points, and you get a glaring opportunity to do so. And once again, this team doesn't take it. It was just rank rotten, Dave. We had been saying from. The, the Celtic result the day before as soon as that final whistle came through we thought surely 
surely the team's going to be up for this tomorrow. Away at Petodre, time to exercise some demons against Aberdeen. I think every Rangers fan out there was desperate for the game. I know I was you know, actually really excited for the game coming up to see us go and, and get a victory and you know, to be completely let down by another sort of lackluster performance, you know, defending poor again. And it's just, we've seen this story so many times now, Derek, haven't we? It's just really poor and we're just looking for something different and a spark from somewhere and it just didn't happen. And it was, you know, we were certainly the better team, but... You know, the chances that, that we had, you know, sort of three glaring chances to score, couldn't take them. And, you know, in the end, we managed to salvage something from it, but it was just another big disappointment. It's just not taking chances when we get them. And that's, I know there was a bit of luck there, we hit off the bar twice, but, you know, you've got to start putting their keeper under more pressure. And we'll, we'll get into that in the next game as well, but it was just poor all round. The aftermath, though, as Dave, you said, I mean, you thought it would, you know, all hell had broken out because, you know, as expected, there was an outcry over our penalty. Most pundits, to their credit, agreed it was a, it was a hundred percent a penalty because it was almost much. It was almost a carbon copy of the the Hearts one we got in the last minute. It's stupidity from their defender ultimately what's the point yes yeah, shirt pulling goes on but when you do it that blatant you, you, you're never going to get away with it in this day and age of yeah. R. the usual suspects though claim that shouldn't have been a penalty now barry robson his post-match <laughs> comments were an absolute disgrace yep. <laughs> a disgrace his comments i mean amongst other things he says it just doesn't look good for for me another var decision going rangers way in the 90th minute dave what what's he actually trying to say there I mean, it's a clear. Is he trying to say that a clear penalty shouldn't be given to us because it's in the nineteenth minute and it's uh, Rangers that are getting it? Surely if, that's bringing the game into in, in disrepute. If that's the case, then Derek. Well, that's what I think as well. I mean, he seems to be more bothered about the fact that we got a penalty rather than his his defender was stupid enough to give away right. that penalty in the first mm-hmm. place. He's more bothered, and by the sound of it, a lot of uh, Aberdeen fans on Twitter seem more bothered about this result than they do about getting horsed 6-0 against Celtic a couple of weeks ago. It's always the same, though. It's it's exactly the same every single time. The one thing, though, that you did say there, though, Derek, was that, you know, I don't think I've heard a pundit or anybody on any media source saying that it wasn't a penalty to Rangers. And when you're certainly getting guys like Tom English and things like that, saying that, that it was a penalty to Rangers, then you know that it was. But, uh, you know, ba- Barry Robson, really, for a man that's the, you know, the, the manager of a team like Aberdeen, he'd be coming out practically greeting at full-time. Absolutely pathetic. And as you say, should be looking at his defender for being absolutely stupid. Because to be fair to the defender that done it, he had had a fantastic game up until that point. It was w- w- one of the players that I looked at when we were playing, and he was thwarting a lot of our attacks, so he was having a good game, but just stupidity. That's what he should be looking at, exactly like you said. Yeah. Uh, next thing was obviously that the, the media picked up on Todd Cantwell diving. Now, he dived, I think, in the first half. You know, there was contact, but he made a meal of it, and he needs to really, really take that out of his game because he's getting this reputation now as, as a cheat. And I think he's trying to be a wee bit too cute and we'll get into him about the next game as well. But that's part of his game he really needs to take out. He was booked for it. So 
the he was given punishment for it there. Yeah. The problem though is Dave, one of the Aberdeen players blatantly dived as well in our box to try and win a penalty. Again, much like the Cantwell thing that there was a tiny bit of contact, but not enough to warrant the way he went down. Not a jot said about that. We don't want any special treatment, Dave. We've said this all along. We just want fair treatment. And once again, it's turning into a shit show because we're not getting that same fair treatment. As you say, he's now... I like Cantwell, Derek, and, and, and we'll be speaking about him lots in, in the next game, so I don't want to get too much into it. But he, his issue is now that he's now under the microscope. He's the one that's getting watched. It was the same when then... Morelos was, was playing for Rangers. He was getting booked for absolutely everything and anything, he, even when it wasn't. It's now turning into Todd Cantwell. And, uh, you know, you would think if, if he had a wee bit of savvy, he would realise that, that he can't get away with doing things like that. I do have to laugh, though, from the the supporters of the, the other side of Glasgow going daft about him diving when you see the antics that Kyogo gets up to in almost every single match that he plays there absolute hypocrites, there's never anything said, said about that, so, but I just want Cantwell to be a wee, a, a wee bit more savvy, I think that's what he, he, he needs to be, so yeah. So we'll get into the last game we've got here, and it was last night or two nights ago when you'll be listening to this. It was Thursday, the 30th of November. It was at a one each draw at home against Aris Limassol in the Europa League Group C Game 5. Dave, another shit show. I know, a game on paper that we should be winning comfortably, a game that after the last game, you would think again, we were wanting to exercise some demons there, I've said that twice now, and again, complete disappointment from a group a, a group of players that really should be hang, hanging their heads here for no, getting a, for no getting a victory out of this game. I mean, it's one of these things where there are no bad teams in Europe, I don't care what level you're at, there are no bad teams, but We've been in the Europa League final. We know what we can do. We should be beating this team. Maybe not easily, but we should be beating them at least. And yep. that's now, they've taken four points out of six off us. We've only got yep. a point off them. Not yep. good enough in the slightest. Nope. We have three changes from that Aberdeen game. We lined up Butland, Tavernier, Suter, Davis, Barisic, Lundstrom, Sifuentes, Lammers, Cantwell, Seema and Danilo. Goldson was obviously suspended from the last game after picking up a yellow card for what should have been an offside. But anyway, on the subs bench, we have McCrory, K. Wright, Dessers, Lawrence, Matondo, Sterling, Roof, King, Devine, McCausland and McKinnon. So in the sixth minute, Lammers with a fresh air strike that falls to Sifuentes, who tries to tee it up on his other foot rather than shooting, but loses out, falls to Lundstrom, who shoots and it bobbles for an easy save for the keeper. I mean, that was a calamity right to begin with there. I mean, fresh air strike from, from Lammers. And then Sifuentes, can he make his mind up when he had a clear shot yep. at goal? Yep. Poor. Yep. 11th minute, a break up the park by Aris, who worked the ball from the left. A great strike and an even better save and out for the corner. So it shows you that they can be dangerous. They yep. certainly were speedy going forward. And the, the, in the final third, they were good at the in the break. And we've seen that from the first game. 11th minute, a corner in from the left. Suter takes a step forward, but a shot over the bar. 27th minute, lovely one-touch stuff on the left side with Seema to Lundstrom to Cantwell and then back to Lundstrom, who has a pinger just by the post. And then all disaster on the 28th minute, 
Aris score to make it 1-0. Cantwell loses the ball in the Aris half just outside their box as well, trying to do a pirouette turn. It was one long ball over the top of our midfield, over the top of our defence, right between the two centre-backs. The attacker takes the ball, rounds the keeper and passes into the net. Almost a carbon copy and the goal was just lost at the weekend against Aberdeen. Dave... How many more times? I can't even blame Goldson for this as well. That's no, the best thing. I know. I've actually I've watched it back a, a couple of times now, Derek, and I cannot believe yet again how simple that they found that to get right through our defenders and how slow our defenders were. And as you as you quite you, you pointed out, they are two completely different defenders. This is Suter and, and Davies. I thought Davies is really, really poorly positioned to try and get back, uh, uh, you know, if there had been any contact that, that he would have made on the on the, the attacker, he, you know, he, he would have been sent off. It was it was poor positioning by him, but really simplistic the, the way that they'd done it. It's as if they had watched the Aberdeen game and said, "Oh well, they're very uh, they're very weak right through the centre. If, if you've got somebody fast and play the ball right through the middle, that's exactly how it was. Just again." really, really poor defending and left us off scratching our heads at that point. Yeah. Moment of controversy, it's kind of turned out to be controversial anyway. 36 minute Cantwell off and McCausland on. Now there were boos throughout the stadium for this. Cantwell not happy. He certainly wasn't the worst player at that point, but he's not a right-sided player, McCausland is, and it was a straight swap. So what's transpired is Clement has came out and said, well, we needed width. Cantwell was told to stay wide, but he kept coming in, so we brought him off. Dave, I think there's been a couple of trains of thought because ultimately we're putting Cantwell out wide because Matondo isn't fully fit yet. McCausland can't start him because he's too young, supposedly. I don't know. And we're putting Lammers in that number 10 role when it's Cantwell's position. So we're ultimately trying to appease Lammers at this point here. So the two trains of thought, and I can see both of them, I ear towards what actually transpired though. What first train of thought is, well, why didn't we take off Lammers? Because I think he had given the wall away about nine times at this point when the 30, by the 36 minute. Take him off, put McCausland on, put McCausland wide right and move Cantwell back into his yeah. natural position. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely perfectly valid. I don't have any problems with that. You could have said that's what should have happened. However, I think the better thing that's actually happened and it's came from this is that Clement has said, obviously, what he said. It's maybe a bit of a discipline thing in telling Cantwell, look, you were told to do a job. You're not doing it. You're coming off. Now, I made a point on Twitter last night as well is the fact that Papach wasn't a left-back, but he was told to go in the left-back position he made that position his own, even though that wasn't his natural position. So if you're told to do a job, especially when you've got a youngster there who's just signed a new deal, who's exciting, who's shown some great skill and great play when he comes on, you need to start playing. And I think it's maybe a bit of a discipline thing we can't well what he done last night. Oh, 100%. I mean, I think that the managers went out to uh, prove a point here with Cantwell, but it's been to the detriment, I think, of the game, Beric, to be perfectly honest with you. So what would you rather? Would you rather, you know, that the manager would with the iron fist, I'm, I'm in charge here, I, I tell you, you do something and you do it or you're off, or do you try and put your strongest team out there and win the game? I'm, I'm stuck between both here because I do want the manager to rule with an iron fist, but I think that that decision 
to keep Lammers on, who was it was dreadful. Derek, it, it really was, and I hate saying that about any of your players being dreadful, but it really, it really was. He looked completely hopeless. He looked completely lost, and to take the decision to keep him on in that position and not put Cantwell there and put the the McCausland on the right. I've not got an, an issue with it at all because he's been excellent for us. It's, it's, it was really quite baffling to me and I think for such an important match as well you go with your strongest team but as I say there is the element that you said there that you know the managers maybe you know trying to you know show that he's in charge here but with at the end of the day we've not got the result out of it have we? I mean, I think the, the ultimate sub that, that happened later on was that Lammers came off and Lawrence came on in, in place of him. That could have happened at the same time. Yeah. It would have still proved the point. Yeah. So I don't think the problem was the fact that Cantwell came off. It was more the point that Lammers stayed on. But at that point, you could have taken off a number of players, really, Dave. I think there was only Butland, and he can almost guess a bye, to be honest. Butland and Lundstrom, they were the only good players. Seema was half-decent in the first half. Danilo just was trying, but he wasn't getting anywhere with it. The rest of them were, were hopeless. They really yeah. were. So it was it was take your pick. Anyway, that was that decision made. At half-time, Booze ran out the stadium because we're 1-0 down. No changes at half-time, which was quite surprising, but we went back out early. I think we went out about five minutes early as well. So I think there was some stern words at half time. And it certainly it did seem to work whatever was said at half time. Barisic on the forty seventh minute had a cross off the shoulder and nail on wide. And then we got a goal from the forty ninth minute with McCausland scoring. A throw in by Aris on the dugout side. It was the receiving player slips. Great awareness by Danilo, who picks it up. He cuts inside, passes to the right to McCausland, who takes it just inside the box and hits a shot through the legs of the defender and off the left post. Brilliant for McCausland. Absolutely delighted. Great composure. That's that's what you've got to say, the young man. He looks confident as anything. That's why I I wouldn't have any issue with playing him for the start in any games just now. But it was a great goal by him and great, great awareness by Danilo again. And uh, you know, absolutely delighted for him finally getting his first goal for the team and getting us back into the match at that point. Yeah, fifty-third minute corner in from Aris, not cleared. Eventually played to the right side to the player in space. He hits it and an unconvincing shot right at Butland. The substitution that I talked about earlier, Lammers off and Lawrence on in the fifty-eighth minute. 60th minute, Lawrence dinks the ball over the top of the defence to Danilo in space in the box. He takes a touch which allows the keeper to get the ball. He should have shot first time. He was getting a lot of heavy criticism for that one there. 64th minute, a big chance for McCausland after a well-worked move. McCausland on the right of the box. He should have shot, however, he steps over, tries to shoot and it was blocked for the corner. It was very reminiscent for his actual goal that he scored. Up until this point, he was brilliant. He was getting all about them. He was taking the players on. When he was losing the ball, he was fighting to win the ball back in a couple of occasions he did there was just a few occasions though he held onto the ball too long and that's part of his game that he's going to need to learn is to when to release the ball because there was a few chances where he could have passed the ball to players in space but he tried to take it on himself which you've got to applaud the the bravery and the effort yeah. from him there mm-hmm. but he's got to add that part to, to his game he is a youngster he will get that in time yeah. obviously so I'm not going to criticise him no, really no. for that definitely not 
65th minute, it was a short corner whipped into the back post, flicked on, ending in Davis putting a foot out and getting it goal-bound, but right at the keeper. 70th minute, lovely from Barisic on the left, takes on a player, a great cross, and Danilo with a header, but a poor effort. 78th minute, a corner from Limassol on the left, flicked to the back post, finds a Limassol attacker in space. Fortunately, it was just behind and heads it over. That was dangerous, that one there. Yeah. 79th minute, Sima off and Matondo on. 88th minute, a quick break down the right to Danilo, who holds it up for McCausland, who passes inside, crossed into the box, and Tavernier with a looping header, but it was easier for the keeper. And the last piece of play here, I've got 92nd minute, Matondo loses the ball near her box, Aris nip in and have a shot, and it was over the bar. There was a wee spell as well, just towards the end of the game, Aris had about three corners in a row, which was quite dangerous, wasn't very cleared very convincingly from us, but we got away with it there. So, Booz run out at full time there, quite justifiably, we were arguably the better team, but we'd done nothing with it. Their keeper had nothing really to do at all. Granted, our keeper never had nothing to do, but we were poor in front of goal. There was too many sideways passing. There was not enough shooting. When we lost the ball, there was not that fight to get the possession back. It was poor, Dave. It was, and I'm getting more and more concerned now as well about certain players who I had high hopes for Derek that have just fell off because we went through a spell there, even guys like uh, Sima, you know, playing really, really well, scoring goals, causing problems. He, in the last few games, really, really quiet, not, you know, contributing much there. And Danilo, although, you know, he's, he's set up the goal in that one, he's set up a goal as well in the, 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 the previous game as well. Not the Aberdeen game, but before that by, you know, picking up sort of loose balls. But going, you know, for him, leading the line, I, I, I don't know if he's, you know, he's, he's better playing up front with two, Derek, because I don't think he's, he's big enough or powerful enough to lead the line. But he's certainly the best striker that we've got, I think, in that position. He's maybe a wee touch of the Kamar roofs in there. I think he could score goals, but when it comes to him being, just him being the main striker, I don't know if it's going to work out for him. And as you say, in, in midfield, Derek Sifuentes just looks like a complete empty shot as well. I've still to see him bring something to the team. I still don't know what type of midfielder he is because when we signed him, he was heralded as the, 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 the missing piece of the jigsaw, the man that was going to hold it all together. I've still to see it from him as well. And then, as I say, Lammers, Derek, I said it in, in, in the previous game, the guy has just been absolutely dreadful and, you know, looks completely lost also. And, you know, where the hell do we go for here? I mean, Bill has left in, a, in some state. I mean, Cifuentes, as you said, I mean, he started off really good and he's just kind of went out of it. Lammers, I mean, I've tried to back that guy as much as I can. And for a, for him personally, I feel bad for him. But I, th- there must be a player in there because you don't get to the level you're at with being a shit footballer. And I don't know if it's a confidence thing or what, or it's the system that's been trying to be playing. I don't know, but... I think he needs a time off now. Um, Cantwell, Cantwell, as we've talked about, I think this is a big wake-up call for him, hopefully. Seema, you know, he was on fire for a bit. You you can't hold him up to be the the single player that's doing everything. Uh, Danilo, you're 100% spot on there. You know, I think he needs another man up there. I don't know what it says about Dessers. Once again, we're chasing a goal and he can't get on on there you've got Roof he's you know a great player when he's fit but that's the whole point when he's fit and, and a goal scorer but again 
does it not tell you something that the manager's not even throwing throwing them on it anymore? Derek is a substitute for the last half an hour or whatever. I mean, a guy that could definitely get you a goal. And, you know, the manager obviously has got no confidence in him either. Yeah, and but that back line, that just needs eradicated. The, the whole lot of them, because I, I'm fed up with it now, Dave. I really am. That's That game, we could have, because of the result before, We that was the full time we knew if we had won the game, that was yeah. us through into the next stage of the Europa League, guaranteed. Yeah. But now we're going to have to go to the probably the most difficult game of the, the group stage and we're going to need to try and win because the way that's worked out is... Sparta basically just need to win against the weakest side, which they've already done, and they they're through. So we it's in our hands now. We need to go out there and find find our, our result. And it's serial losers. My main point overall is the fact that once again we've seen it in Aberdeen. We could have taken a, an advantage over Celtic. Yeah. We've seen it in this game. We could yeah. have taken advantage of it. But it's once again, true. when the chips are down, they uh, fucking failed again. And two glorious opportunities or opportunities that played right in, into our hands first of all Celtic dropping points the day before and then you know uh, Real Betis getting beat which you know would have put us top of the group too you know dream scenarios for us at this stage and they can't capitalise on it it's just so frustrating so frustrating and, and here's the worst thing Dave is the fact that in two weeks time Three days after we have to go to Betis, <laughs> we're in the, the League Cup final, yeah. which mm-hmm. is going to be another slog against yep. Aberdeen. Yep. So rather than having a, a, a relatively relaxed game where we can maybe rest players, and <laughs> yes, it would be great to still top the group, but we're now having to go and fight for ourselves, fight for our place in the next round because they can't do the job against the, the lowest team in the group. The silver lining in this, obviously, is the fact that we're guaranteed to be in Conference League after yeah. Christmas now, yeah. which if we can go and do what West Ham done, I will be over the moon. It's oh, a European yeah. competition. Yeah. I want to do that, right? Yeah. But I want to get through and progress through this because we've pro- proven time and time again we are this level. We can mix it with the people with the teams in this this format, but not the way we're playing. And no. we're not going to get anywhere in the conference if we're playing this way as well, because there's going to be some big teams in that conference yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we'll move on because in the league table for the Premiership, we've played 13, won 9, drawn 1, lost 3, scored 27, conceded 7, goal difference plus 28, and we're on 28 points. 8 behind Celtic, but we've got a game in hand over them. We're 6 ahead of St Murn, but we've got a game I had against them as well. In the Europa League table, we are sitting in 2nd. We've played 5, won 2, drawn 2, lost 1, scored 5, conceded 4, Goal difference plus one on eight points. Betis are on nine points. Sparta Prague are on seven points. And Aris Limassol are on four points. So it's really, we have to go out there and win if we want to progress. Second place is really not an option because you would obviously think that Sparta were going to go out to Cyprus and beat Limassol. So they're going to go into 10 points. You've got to think we've got to go out there and, and win. Yep, 100%. Don't get me wrong. It's not a, it's it, it's not an impossible task because Betis aren't playing that great in the in, in, in La Liga, but it's still a huge, huge step up for us to go out there and try and get a victory. We've beaten much bigger teams recently than Real Betis and much bet, better teams, but going to Spain's a tall order for us, Derek, and playing a team that's playing top quality opposition every single week, which we are not. 
the way that we're playing, the odds are totally, you know, are heavily, heavily stacked against us. Yes. So games to come, Sunday the 3rd of December, that's at home against Sydney in the Premiership, that's a massive game that, because obviously they're sitting in third. Yep. Wednesday the 6th of December, away against Hearts in the Premiership, that's an 8 o'clock kickoff. Saturday the 9th of December, at home against Dundee in the Premiership, that's a 3 o'clock kickoff. Thursday the 14th of December, the game I was talking about, away against Real Betis in the Europa League, it's an 8 o'clock kickoff. A game that I was talking about as well, Sunday the 17th of December, Ham at Hamden against Aberdeen in the League Cup final. That is a must win. There is no other option there. Nope. Wednesday the twentieth of December at home against St Johnston in the Premiership. That's a quarter to eight kickoff. Sunday the twenty fourth of December away against Motherwell in the Premiership. That's a midday kickoff. Wednesday the twenty seventh of December at home against Ross County in the Premiership. That's a quarter to eight kickoff. And then the Old Firm game on Saturday the thirtieth of December. It's at Parkheads at twelve uh, thirty. So. A massive, massive run of games in a very short space of time. Yep, we knew that as well, Derek. We knew every single game was going to be massive, massive games for us, and even more so now. But like you said, especially that week, away against Real Betis and then Cup Final against Aberdeen, it's, uh, it's you know, it's, it's, it's as big as you can get for us at this stage. And I just hope we can find a spark for somewhere, I really do. Yep. So, we will now go into the news. So, a lot of news to talk about as well, Dave. Uh, first, we've got to go, go over the accounts, don't we? Yes. So, Rangers are portraying this as an operating profit of £250,000. Now, it's a slight drop in turnover by £3 million to £83.8 million. The reality is, Dave, though, it's a net loss of £4.2 million. Yeah. That is basically down to amortisation of shares and all that kind of nonsense and infrastructure investment of £15 million. The staff costs have risen by £10 million. Expenses have risen from £97 0.3 million to 108 million pounds. Now that staff cost is largely down to the fact that we are now the highest playing wages in the Premiership. So I think we're paying three million pound more a year than Celtic are wages, which is absolutely atrocious. Totally. I think I think a lot of that is down apparently to like Champions League bonuses from last year as well. Our UEFA prize money has risen by 1.2 million to 18.5 million pounds. Our retail revenue has increased by £1.5 million as well. There's a drop in income from broadcasting and gate receipts due to less games in Europe. Obviously, we've went from the Europa League final to only having six Champions League games. I think that was obviously the qualifiers as well. We've had big player sales in Aribo and Bassey as well. On the face of it, it doesn't look all that great. However, if you take out the infrastructure costs, which are effectively one-offs, it looks a wee bit better. People are still slamming the cost for upgrades to Ibrox and the training centre. They need done at the end of the day. We're still living in the legacy of what happened under the end of the Murray era, the banter years era as well, where nothing was getting done, so it needed done. There's people still slamming New Edmondson House. It's something that we've been wanting for decades. I'm tired of saying this. Infrastructure costs also don't play a part of financial fair play, which we're on a watch list for. So... I'm not sure we could have put that money into the playing squad in any case because of the losses we've had. So we need to be careful with that one there. 
I'm I'm tired of fans moaning at the fact that oh we won't need to have this and this infrastructure that infrastructure then moaning when we're actually getting it because the money's not going into the squad we can't just pump money into the squad because of financial fair play Dave what's your take on the the accounts at, at the end of the day I think you hit the nail on the head when it comes to the player wages I mean that is absolutely scandalous for what we are getting and what what we're watching. To think that we're paying more wages than anyone else is, is absolutely criminal. That's something that's got to be dealt with. But there'll be players on long contracts that you know that were you know I, I don't know what the, the financial uh, the, the legal ramifications are, are there to try and get players off you know the wage the wage bill that, that we've got. I don't even know what players are left with just like a year on their contracts or whatever as well, Derek, that, that we'll be getting rid of. But you said that, you know, a couple of games back when we we're talking that the mess that Michael Beals left with the players that he's brought in and the amount of money is absolutely shocking. The the, the infrastructure at Edmondson House, getting everything up, up to scratch, that's that's got to happen. We can't have the stadium falling into a state of disrepair along with the, with the training grounds. So these, these things had to happen when we go back to the, the, the finances, when we, we come back next year. Those things will not be on the bill at that stage. So I'd like to think that they will start uh, reaping the financial gain, you know, that we're hoping they will, especially at Edmiston House as well, because that will be another year down. So we, we kind of knew that side of things that we were going to be, you know, they, they have to go invest money and spend money to try and get things up to up to standard, and I think the Edmonton House and the the museum and everything that will bring in loads and loads of money for us. So we just need to be patient on that one. Yeah, I mean, obviously, bearing in mind the accounts go up to the summer, I believe. So you look at the players that left in the summer as well. So you've got to think that some of the the, the finances. Look at these players here who have left in the summer: Alan McGregor, Helander. Ryan Ken, Alfredo Morella, Scott Arfield, Zukowski, Cholak, Sakala, Namde Offbor, Glenn Kamara, or most of them will be on very high wages, especially the likes of McGregor and Morella. So we'll be saving a good bit of money there. So yes, we've brought in players. They will not be on the same amount of money they likes of McGregor would have been. He would have been probably one of the highest paid there. So you would like to think that next year we've maybe went slightly down in wages as well. but I, I'm not so sure, Derek, if, if you think that the, the, the wages that they would have had to have given Jack Butland to come and sign for us, he'll, uh, he'll certainly be on high wages as well. So, you know, I, I think there'll be a few of these new new players will be on big, big wages as well. So, again, it's a, it's a tough one, especially, you know, with loads of players, are, you know, it's not work, working out for them. It's, it's, it's a, a bit of a nightmare. I think there's two ways of looking at this as well is the fact that you look at them over the other side of the city and this is the only reason why we're talking about it is they're sitting on a, a piggy bank of 70 million apparently a lot of their fans are moaning the fact that they're not spending to, to get further in Europe which is absolutely true The once again Brendan Rodgers hasn't been backed the way he probably should have been in that respect they're sitting on a pile of money we're maybe not sitting on that pile of money However, we are clearly investing in the squad. You can absolutely argue the fact that it's not been spent wisely. We've allowed somebody to basically, you know, raid the, the coffers and spend just whatever he wanted. That is down to the board, absolutely. But you cannot say the board haven't invested in the squad and also the team. We're in, investing in infrastructure and things that will ultimately make yeah. us money. So we are spending money. 
It's the way the club should be ultimately run. I would like to see your finances a wee bit better, but that will come through being better on the park, investing more wisely in players. So it's it's a double it's a double edged sword that way because you know we were all praising before the a game a ball kicked off. They were all praising the the, the deals in the transfer window, but. When you look down at it, it's not been very good because no. the players are not kicked off. No. Every player's a risk, absolutely. But I think delve down into it, the likes of Lammers, his stats coming up before signing for us weren't very good. And we're now seeing that's there's a reason because of that. So mm. I think it's about wisely spending. And we haven't done that this summer. That's the big problem. Like I said, just quickly on it, Derek, the, the whole... The whole off-the-field spending, I think, had to be done. And I think we will see the rewards for that over the next few years. So I'm not overly worried about that. And like you said, there's a lot of fans out there are not happy that we've spent a lot of money not on the Rangers sort of playing side-side of things. But that will come to fruition, I'm sure of it. It basically had to get spent just to to keep us up, up to date and keep everything running off the field uh, because like I said the stadium and training ground going into the state said didn't disappear he just can't have that so I'm not I'm not entirely concerned about those things yeah so we've also announced that the AGM is going to be on the 5th of December that's going to be at New Edmonston House now obviously a change of venue from the usual armadillo that that, that we go to so there's New Edmondson House. Yep. It's, it's going to be maybe a few thousand pounds to, yep. to hire out the armadillo, but there's at least we're saving money straight exactly, away yeah. on that. Mm-hmm. So, again, I'm not wanting to really bring them up, but it's in, in relation to us. Celtic had their AGM uh, last week. Of course, they had to have a sly dig at, our, <laughs> at us as well. Surprise. Usual nonsense. Their usual bunker not trying to bring up Resolution 12 or 15 or whatever the fuck it's called. My two personal favourites from them, though, is their CEO not being able to get three words right, where instead of saying penalty to Rangers, he spent a whole year preparing to say penalty <laughs> Rangers. Again, though, Derek, the, the, a lot of the, the, the people that go to these things, it's, it's great for their board to, to cover up because their fans are starting to get wise. I, I don't like t- talking about them, but their fans are starting to get wise about the fact that we keep getting told how much money they've got in it and it no spending. And it's a great deflection point for the directors to have wee slide digs at us and to allow questions like that about Resolution 12 and absolutely ridiculous things because it takes the pressure off them. But it's the usual, it's pathetic, it's childish, it's just exactly what we would expect for them, isn't it? Exactly. Also, the map ultimate favourite from it here, though, is one of their absolutely deranged fans wanting their board to denounce Israel. I mean, for fuck's sake, it's a football AGM and they want their board to criticise a fucking country. Oh, dear. Yep, incredible. Oh. But again, to be expected, Derek, let's be honest. <laughs> Anyway, you've you've spoken about them too 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 much. Well, yes. So next thing here, after an application and interview process, our fab has been formed. Yes, our fans advisory board. Apparently, two hundred applicants with a broad range of skills. The team consists of the fad Barry, Matt Boyd, Jamie Cook. Craig Hanna, Kelly Johnson, Stuart Lanigan, I think, and Gary Ralston. So sorry if I've pronounced anybody's name wrong there. I mean, I suppose it's good that the club are recognising the need for this. It's good for the for to have regular fan input. I really hope it works, but we all know where this is heading. They don't speak for me. 
because that's what happens every yeah. single time when yeah. something like this happens. Yeah. But we'll wait and see. I'll, I you hope know, not, Derek. But I hope not, but yeah. it's something that always seems to happen. Yeah. Next thing here on similar note, we had the latest fans CEO forum, and that was at the beginning of November. Uh, they've confirmed that the statue for uh, Walter will be unveiled into the new year. They never exactly said when into the yeah. new year. Could be January, it could be December. We're also, at that point, we were into the final stage of appointing our director of football. They stated that variables in the time frame, but believed it will be imminent now. I'll get into that very, very shortly. But, yes. you know, they never gave any sort of time frame, and that was at the start of November. They also said that plans have been discussed to expand our stadium by eight to 10,000 seats each side of goal. Basically, it was a puff piece. Think David Murray Casino idea. And this is going to be the problem with these fans' forums when they're doing them every quarter. And then add on to the fact that you've got the fan advisory board as well. How much of it is going to be your pish, like, oh, can he see in my seat and all oh, the pies are shite? Or how much is it going to be puff pieces like, oh, yeah, we've got plans to expand the stadium. It's all well and good having plans to expand the stadium. We want the nuts and bolts of is it affordable? When can it get done? You know, is it going to be at the detriment to the playing squad, if, like what people are complaining about for New Edmondson House? Yes, we all want to have a fantastic, super-duper, 100,000-seater stadium, which there's going to be no issues with getting fans in, and you can have as many away fans as you want as well. It's about logistics. It's about, you know, what's best for the club and when. So having these every quarter, this is where it's maybe going to get a bit tedious and... You might see them dropping down maybe to every half year. Well, we'll need to wait and see how it transpires. But yeah. I don't want this every single you know quarter, every time they meet with puff pieces about expanding stadiums because we know as fans it's not realistic. Like you said, Derek, we, we, we just have to hope it's not going to be like that. But, you know, I agree wholeheartedly there. And I think you probably will find it'll go to just being sort of twice a year after the first few few times. But uh, again, it's one of these things. We'll have to wait and see what happens. Yep. So on that note of the director of football role, you know, it's um, some would some cynics would say very convenient. We've had a bad results <laughs> and we appoint a director of football just before the EGM. However, we have today and we've appointed 38-year-old Niels Copin from PSV as director of football recruitment. So it's a bit of a shite jobby type scenario where it's a director of football recruitment rather than director of football. He's held the, the head of scouting role at PSV since 2000. 18. My biggest shock that he's only 38 because he looks 48 at least. <laughs> well, by the time he's the time he's about a year, we'll look up at 58. Uh, so, you know, you've got to take these things with a pinch of salt. I think a lot of fans were looking for just ultimately a figurehead to blame when the recruitment goes all to cock. <laughs> you know, I think that's ultimately what happened with, with uh, Wilson as well. So, I, I, I don't know, Dave. It's a new thing that we're trying. It's the Going, way that football goes now, uh, so I don't know. It is, and they've been speaking a bit about it a while, Derek. And, but at the same time, if you look at, you know, he was head of player recruitment at PSV, and if you certainly look at some of the players that have came through, PSV have signed for, you know, not that much and then sold for huge amounts. If that's the model that we want to go down, then going by, you know, his previous stats at PSV, it certainly looks as if they're going in the right direction here. But again, only time will tell. But, you know, they did say that they were going to do it. They have done it. 
and we just have to hope and pray that it's going to be a huge success for us. Yes, hopefully we'll wait and see. Anyway, uh, next thing here is John Gregg has picked up his CBE at Buckingham Palace. I yes. think it was uh, in the Queen's Honours, or, or was it last year he was on, honoured it or something yeah. like that? Uh, but he's finally managed to, to get uh, awarded to him by the future King Billy, no less. <laughs> yeah, fantastic uh, for, for John Gregg. It really was. It's uh, very fitting of him. And, uh, you know, I think every supporter uh, up and down the land absolutely delighted for him and his family. Yes, I mean, he was interviewed after it as well and effectively dismissing himself and he was effectively awarding it to the club as well. So, I mean, the guy, he does it every single time. He's so yeah. humble and just what what a guy. There is a reason why he is our greatest ever Ranger. Yeah. Next thing here is, this was the really exciting part as well. Ross McCausland has finally penned a new deal until the summer of 2027. A lot of clubs are from all over Europe, it looks yeah. to be, sniffing about him as well. He could have signed for any one of them for a very small development fee in January, but he decided to pen a new deal with us. That was major because ultimately this guy looks to be a good talent. I'm not going to get ahead of myself because this is what happens a lot of the time as well, but at least... You want them. You want these players to come in. You want them to play a couple of years with us, and with a couple of years to go, then if he's still producing the goods, we can sell him on for a, a big fee. That is the whole point of the academy. Ultimately, we've got to understand our place in Europe now. We are going to lose pretty much all our good youngsters that we bring through. But if we're making a good penny on them, kind of like Nathan Patterson, that's the kind of money you want to be selling them for. And if that's what happens, get a, a year or two out of them, sell them on for big money, I'll be delighted with that. Derek, like you, I don't want to, to jinx it, but certainly going on what I've seen of this guy, he looks a real deal. He looks a phenomenal player. And again, I said it, you know, when we're going through the games, I wouldn't have any hesitation playing the guy for the start in any match for us. I think he's going to be a top player. And as he said, he had absolutely no doubts in his head that he was going to sign a, a, a new deal. He's a Rangers supporter. And I think he can just see when he plays that he actually looks proud to be playing for the club. He actually looks as if he would run through a brick wall for the club. And that is great. That's the type of player that we need. And he got his full debut for the Northern Ireland first team as well, which is quite sensational so they obviously know how good a player he is as well so no, great piece, piece of business for the club and for him as well so uh, here's hoping that uh, you know he, he goes on to do massive things for us I mean that's the stuff of dreams of any Rangers fan you know yep. make your debut in Europe you score in Europe you uh, technically score in the in the league as well make your league debut you sign a new contract and you get your country's debut as well yep. just phenomenal incredible Another youngster that penned a new deal as well, John Lee Yufeko, signs yep. an extension until May 2026. Next thing here is Zurab Almerian, I think that's how you pronounce it, has joined as our head of academy. He signed from OH Leuven. So that's another addition to our academy background team. Bit of a sad one, next one here. Steve Davis has stepped away from our coaching team and he'll be focusing on his knee rehab. He's basically said that it's still that bad he can't play with his children. So you've got to think his life yep. after football has got to come first. Exactly. I don't know. I never really mentioned if he was still on our books and going through rehab though, but he certainly stepped away from his coaching to focus on his health, which is yeah. ultimately the main thing. So yep. we wish him, wish him well there. 100%. 
bit of a strange thing next one, Dave, that came out. Robbie Nielsen has been appointed the new boss of Tampa Bay Rowdies, so I don't know if your travels to, to Florida have <laughs> came across them at all. No, they certainly haven't. I have heard of them, uh, Derek. I don't know much about them at all, but to be fair to Robbie Nielsen, if you're going to be out of Scottish football or out, out, out of British football, why not move over to the sunshine of Florida? So, uh, you know, I'm sure he'll have a a wheel of a time as well as family as well so. yes you'll have a rowdy time maybe. <laughs> but anyway you're wondering how it relates to us well apparently in an interview with ESPN's Mark Donaldson he reported that he Nielsen was actually in talks with us to become Clement's number two Oh, really? I didn't, I didn't hear that at all. So, I mean, Robbie Nielsen, his second spell at Hearts wasn't that great, but I think it would have been a good appointment to an extent for the fact that he knew the Scottish game. But, you know, we've got the big madman with the eyes as yeah, number two anyway. So, yeah. But that was a bit of a strange one, that. Yeah, definitely. Next story here. If stories are true, we could be set to net around a million pounds from the sale of Malik Tillman to PSV in January. Obviously, that stems from the settlement to cancel our right-to-buy loan deal with Bayern Munich. So yeah. that'll be an interesting one if we get that. Yeah. We a money for nothing again. Yeah, definitely. Next thing here. Glasgow City Council, in their wisdom, are relaunching their attempt to crack down on parking around Ibrox and Parkhead, particularly on match days. Fucking nonsense as usual. Stadiums were there long before the housing was. Public transport needs to be massively improved before they can even attempt to try this. And that's the problem. They refuse to do that. I mean, open up the old Ibrox railway station, which is, you know, less than half a mile down the road. That would alleviate so much problems with parking, with walking, with the underground as well. I don't know why that the they, they can't petition ScotRail to open that back up. It certainly doesn't need to be a man station. Make it just a stop on that railway line. The railway line runs past it. It's, it's just a no-brainer to me, Dave. Yeah, definitely. Next thing. Rangers Christmas advert video came out. Now, I normally <laughs> can't be bothered with these things, but this one is absolutely fantastic. Yes. Current stars, old stars, and Paul Gascoigne. I mean, what more could you want? It was. It, it has been very well done. It, it really has, and as you say, a mixture of the current players, plus some some old, uh, you know, like you said, Barry Ferguson, John Brown, and then, of course, Gazza being the star of the show on the... Uh, on the advert there, no, it was great to see, really funny as well, and there you go, well done to everyone involved there. Yes, now if that was good, Rangers released a drone video, which was absolutely incredible. Yep. Done at night time, they had fading in and out music and chants from the crowd, it was done in a one-hour, up and over, all through Ibrox, into New Edmondson House, in the museum, up the marble staircase, and all about it was fantastic, yeah. Dave. Anybody who hasn't seen it, go and check out Rangers yeah, back, Facebook. It's outstanding. Next thing here is the next round of hearings for the elite Hummel deal dispute will be heard on the twenty first of December. From the last time, it appears that adjustments to experts' papers and all that kind of nonsense had to be done. So I think this date coming up might be to set the date for the full hearing, which yeah. is expected to take around eight days. Estimated hearing to be before August, so this what up and coming hearing maybe to set that date as well. So we'll see what happens there. I think they're looking for about £9 million. Rangers in their accounts apparently haven't set any money by to account for that, so we're, we're hoping for a favourable deal yes. otherwise. We're going to be a bit in the shit street <laughs> one day anyway. But in back in court again. Yeah, well, there goes your one-off costs away as well, if that, yes. that's the question. 
as I've said before, I do not know how the fuck they can come to the fact that it was going to be £9 million they've lost from us cutting the deal early because there was a boycott on, so nonsense. Next thing here is our possible place in the World Club Cup is in doubt as apparently Sky Italia are reporting that only a four-year coefficient will be used and it's results from Champions League only. So it's chopped and changed that many times. I suppose we'll just need to do the best we can in Europe. Didn't help with last night, of course. And we'll need to see what FIFA announced officially. You know, me, myself, I'm trying to build my hopes up to get it because it's a massive amount of money, great exposure for the club. I'm setting myself up, though, because it's not going to happen, I don't think. Uh, it's, uh, the, the, there seems to be, as you say, there's a lot of things keep changing constantly and it looks as if it's stacking up against us. And quite rightly, again, like you just said there, disappointing results in Europe like we had last night certainly aren't going to help, are they? We just have to hope that things change and, you know, it is you know, going our way. But again, it's another one of these, wait and see what happens. So the last piece of football news here I've got is Aberdeen have sold out their initial allocation of 17,000 tickets for the cup final. Or so they thought. They opened up the sale for a limited number of their fans who were on some sort of, it was like a Aberdeen MyJers type scheme, but they only limited them to one ticket. And then within a, like an hour or two, they opened it up to general sale, including our fans. There yep. clearly wasn't a lot of checks and balances done there. A lot of our fans, after they claimed that they had sold out, were taunting Aberdeen and Dave Cormack on Twitter. It led to an investigation by Aberdeen and them actually cancelling some tickets. They haven't let on how many tickets have been cancelled. I've no idea how they can tell who was an Aberdeen fan exactly. and who was a Rangers yep. fan. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've, there's a couple of extracts I've seen here from Twitter and, and a few forums as well that is an Aberdeen fan based down south, absolutely raging because he's had his ticket cancelled because he's effectively because he's got a, 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 an address down south. So are you trying to tell me there's no Aberdeen fans in Glasgow or there's no Aberdeen fans down south? It's just, once again, Aberdeen were so desperate to try and sell out that they decided to fuck up their tickets they've came out and apologised but look at the chaos it's caused already absolutely nonsense from them and this is the thing the game we just played against them at Putaudry was nowhere near a sellout massive gap <laughs> all around the place yeah, I, was just, I was just about to say that you know they go and try to sell out uh, their allocation for Hamden but they can't sell out their home game against us in the league that just says it all for me yeah. really does yeah so Woman instantly regretted eating a jar of Nutella she found in her sister's room. Oh no, I don't know where I don't know where this is going, or I think I do. It goes without saying that Nutella fans love to whack it on almost anything. Pancakes, waffles, toast, even straight out of the jar. <laughs> Apart from me, I've got a nut allergy, Dave. However, there seems to be some people that use it in a very, very different way. <laughs> Talking to Abby Chatfield's It's Not A Lot podcast was a caller who told us about a story story about her mate. Yes, it was about her mate, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, I. This friend thought she was being clever when she ate a jar of Nutella she found in her sister's room. After sneakily eating a full jar of Nutella... A, a full jar? A full jar of chocolate spread, the woman soon discovered something utterly repulsing. Well, even the most loyal Nutella fans will admit eating a whole jar can be quite sickly. This was far, far worse. Only after eating the remainder of the spread, the woman discovered that the Nutella jar has been used as a sexual aid by her sister's boyfriend. (laughs) 
She found a jar of Nutella in her sister's room and ate the whole jar. She later finds out that it's the cocktail jar, she, she said. The host, along with her listeners, were absolutely gobsmacked. No, she screamed while suggesting it was like a churro getting dipped into chocolate. You would think that he would use a spoon or something. Why did he dip it in the jar, she said. Nutella is ruined for me forever. I'm so sorry for doing the same to you, she wrote in her caption afterwards. It's an absolute <laughs> One person commented, wouldn't you notice a nice hole in the jar? As another one said, I need to unhear this and unsee this whole thing. That's uh, an absolute belter. <laughs> Oh dear, dear! <laughs> I'm speechless. I'm speechless. I, I don't know where to go with that, Dave. <laughs> I mean, whipped cream, maybe, but I mean, dipping it into a jar of Nutella. Oh, that, there's there's nowhere you can go with that apart from ending the podcast. I think so. Yes. <laughs> so, on that chocolatey note, we will end the podcast. <laughs> Oh, see, at least we've had a laugh at the end of the podcast, Derek. Yes. I mean, I don't know what the <laughs> sister was going for, like chocolate. <laughs> you think about this too much. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to get the, the vision out, out of my head now. Chocolate with a cream filling. <laughs> so, yes, uh, Dave, it was a mixed bag of results. Um you know, it's always the case. You start off with a couple of good results, and then you end up on a downer because we've had two bad results. I mean, this weekend is a big, massive result, um, a big, massive game coming up, and I'm fed up saying that because they always are. You know, yeah. if people go mad. Oh, it's a big result. We need to get yeah. every single game. We need yeah. to understand where we're, who we're coming up against. Yeah. The fortunate thing is that it's at home. You would have thought that with last night's game as well. It never transpired, but. No. We'll need to wait and see what happens, um, see what type of team that comes out, and we'll we'll see if Clement has learned his lesson with his team selections as well. Yeah, and if certain other other players maybe knuckle down a wee bit more, I I, I don't know. There, there's certain players that we went over about and, and, and spoke, spoke about enough that I hope I don't see back in the starting eleven for a long, long time. But again, we'll have to wait and see. Yes. So thanks for listening and goodbye. Take care, folks. Bye-bye. And the stadium erupts in red, white, and blue. You've never seen anything like it.